Today on the Dean Dome Talk, we've got news on both ends of the tobacco road, some high-scoring college baseball uh, games, NHL update, Copa America and Euros previews, playoff roundup, and our NBA talk. But first, it's tip-off time on the Dean Dome Talk. to the Dean Dome Talk. I am Gaddy. Joining me today is Andrew. Hey, everyone. And, uh... uh <laughs> playoffs have not disappointed. Uh, we've got some, uh... We, we've got some news all over the spectrum, including some news just up the tobacco road. But, uh, let's go ahead and get started uh, with some quickfire facts, if you'd like to get us started, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, I would. So, first off, Big news in the NFL. Julio Jones is going to be traded to the Titans. Didn't um, I say sources. last week this was going to be like, if this happened, it would be just unfair for everybody else in the league? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the The Tennessee Titans are already a very good team. They are playing in a division that's not too great. Um, They've got Derrick Henry. They already have a good wide receiver in A.J. Brown. I mean... AJ Brown is a great young wide receiver. And now they add Julio Jones. Oh my goodness, this is gonna be this is gonna be a team to watch out for next year. So um I don't know. Have they decided the exact specifics of what's being traded? No for less than a second round pick. No less than a second round. And that makes sense because yeah. he's a all time player. I mean, one of the greatest wide receivers of his era. So so that happened. Uh, big news. Also, Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul are going to be having a fight tonight. Yes, that's right. Logan Paul, the YouTuber, uh, he is a professional boxer now, for those of you who did not know. He's already boxed a few times, and he's won all his fights so far. It's not um, like he was really fighting somebody of, uh, right? shall we say, that's really good. He he's not scheduling something where he's gonna get his face smashed in. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So he might get his face smashed by Floyd Mayweather. Mayweather, uh, Floyd Mayweather. Sorry, I kept on stumbling on that. I mean, Mayweather is one of one of the greatest boxers of all time. But he is forty four, so you know I'm surprised that they, he was able to bring him basically out of retirement to like to do this fight. Um, since he's older now, but I guess yeah, money beckons. Money. money beckons. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. It sure does. So it'll be exciting, at least. It's a uh, something to watch out for. Also, 
In other news, in MLB, the Oakland A's fired their minor league food vendor for food that was, quote, totally unacceptable. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's not great. Um, so, I mean, they so, make yeah. us pay an arm and a leg for food at these venues. They have to make it bad, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, it was the food they gave to the minor league players that was oh so bad. oh yeah, yeah. okay um yeah <laughs> uh, go to tmz and look up a, like pictures of it because it just does not look appetizing like one player shared his box of food that he had and it was two slices of bread one slice of cheese one slice of tomato and like one piece of lettuce um and that was his uh his, his his big meal for the day apparently because the team fed him so it was like a bunch of stuff like that or i remember seeing a picture where it was supposed to be a taco it has it like two pieces shell. of chicken yeah two tiny pieces of chicken um on this big shell and some peppers <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um, i can see this <laughs> if you do you remember a few years ago that big fiasco in the in the caribbean called fire festival fire spelled with a y where the a bunch of a bunch of rich people a bunch of rich people paid to be part of this exclusive like was it a week long or weekend long big party on some private Mm -hmm. island in the caribbean when they showed up, they're, they're, uh, it was supposed to be really fancy, like a $100,000 buy-in or something. When they showed up, there were no tents, or, and if there were, they were very flimsy. The food was basically like this, but probably even worse. Uh, <laughs> there was no entertainment scheduled while they advertised. They would have all the best uh, bands and stuff. It, it, this is something to read about just to the side it was a whole fiasco lawsuits and everything i i recommend reading about this not everything is as advertised but uh it's kind of seeing these pictures kind of reminds me of the fire festival fiasco yeah yeah um just (laughs) not the greatest these are just so pathetic yeah it was absolutely (laughs) pathetic i mean i've never seen anything like that and this is for a professional sports team uh, yeah. I mean, it is the minor leaguers, but still, I mean, those are professional athletes that you're eating. So, not the greatest, not the greatest. Also, to round up the quick fire facts, Seventh Woods is transferring again. Oh, man. Yeah. Seventh the Woods. The UNC player. This is yeah. why you don't judge players on highlight reels. You don't yes. judge players on highlight reels. Now, yeah. whether his highlight reels were showing something he wasn't. I don't 100% actually buy that. I think he has that potential in him. I don't know if he really worked towards it or if just he got complacent and let others pass him. So He also had some injury issues. He also had injury issues. Uh, injuries affect everyone differently. And mm-hmm. for someone like him who's who was who relied extra, like a lot on his athleticism being injured mm-hmm. sort of gets you out of your groove and you know, yeah. it, it, it'll affect him, but uh, guess it didn't really work out for him at South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be his third college team. 
Not yeah. too many people can say they've played for three college teams. And he's gonna it's gonna be a sixth year of college basketball, I believe. Yeah, but that extra year of uh eligibility came in handy, right. I guess. Yeah, yeah. At this point, man, just go play in Europe. Go make some money. Right, right. Yeah, make some money while you're doing yeah. it. Um so <laughs> but so, he's an ex UNC player, so Yeah, speaking out. of uh ex UNC players, let's talk about Rashid Wallace. Yes. Uh, he's got a new gig at the uh, Good Better Best uh, Aca- is it an Academy. What? Is- yeah, the Good Better Best Academy uh, head coach position actually. So. Uh, so what is really that good. academy? I believe it's a high school level uh, basketball academy. If I uh, guess my link hmm. doesn't want to work right now. Yeah, it's not working for me. Uh, I'll bring it up later. But um, he's, he was involved with uh, Pistons. You know, he he played for the Pistons. And now, you know, after his playing career, he wants to get into coaching. I don't believe this is his first. I think he's been at least an assistant coach before. Yeah. I just don't I remember think, yeah. where. And... Um, but with the Pistons, he was actually an assistant coach for yes. a year. And then um, he was the head coach at Jordan High School in Durham, North Carolina. Yeah, and he's taking a, a step bit. up towards probably more a focused uh, basketball academy. So, yeah. the good, better, yeah. best. So, best of luck to him. Let's see what he can do. A lot of, mm-hmm. those, of the Dean Smith uh, players went into coaching. It's yeah. something really unique. Not not every coach can say that a lot of their players, if not maybe most of Dean Smith's players, went into coaching at some level. Mm-hmm. It's just phenomenal. Yeah, it really is. Uh, Transition. Let's let, let's move on from a former player to a future player. UNC's got a new commit for the class of twenty twenty two. Will Shaver, three star. Uh, has committed this week now uh some notes about him first of all his ratings his sort of his sort of scouting report a lot of this stuff is a little older uh especially stuff you'll see on uh 24 7 sports or rivals or whatever a lot of this stuff is older especially the three-star rating i'm sure he's going to go up to at least a four-star maybe a five-star in the future but this is stuff based on when people last saw him play in person uh before covid uh so uh some notes about him for people who've actually seen him there are some people on uh reddit who sort of do this and and they've actually seen him play um he's a three-point shooter he's a tremendous three-point shooter they say uh that's good yes and uh in the recent weeks his stock was going up as you know recruiting ramped up from the uh, dropping of all the uh, sort of the uh, the NCAA now allows uh, recruitment in person visits and stuff now after the COVID pandemic has gone downward. If you haven't gotten your shot, please get your flu shot. Uh, well, get your flu shot, but also get your COVID shot. Um, but also, uh, FSU, Illinois, and Kansas were beginning to start recruiting him, and. Uh, well, Shaver was actually visiting UNC this week, and I, I knew he was visiting. I wasn't 
where he was going to commit. So the fact that he visited yeah. and committed essentially the same time is pretty big. Um, right, right, definitely. He, uh, the commitment was a surprise. He told people that he would take all his visits and commit on his birthday, which is in the fall. But he, his commitment today showed that there is... Uh, Ebert Davis has got some pull. And yeah, the fact yeah. that he's getting a center who is a shooter is sort of reiterating Hubert Davis's commitment towards putting shooters all over the floor. I love this. Maybe a change of style. I yeah. I love this. Behind mm-hmm. Armando, we saw the video putting up three after three after three uh, <laughs> while working out. I love what I'm seeing here. Now, it's all great and everybody can shoot. But do they play into the system? A five out doesn't always work. Uh, so we'll see. This is going to be a real test of the season. We still only have one center on roster. That's not good. <laughs> it's not, not good. good. No. If we're going to play small ball, it's going to be really hard with just one center on roster. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we can go all, you know. I don't Zero think more, we can get uh, Will Rockets and just play all all small people. Just get rid of everyone that's tall. I don't think Will Shaver can bump up to twenty twenty one. I don't think he can. I would love it if he did, yeah. but I don't think he can. So, yeah. um, he's apparently gone to pickup games at UNC during his visit. That's good. that's something I that's I've seen now. So. Mm-hmm. uh this uh, I like this. I I like what uh coach Davis is doing. But from one coach to another down the tobacco road, one coach starting in Hubert Davis to one coach calling it quits on his career, retiring after next season, coach K. Mm-hmm. This came out of the blue. There were murmurs he was going to retire. Nobody knew when if he was going to retire now or later or something, but this week we got the definitive, uh, uh, the definitive t- date when Coach K would mm-hmm. be retiring, and that is after next season. And uh, as much as we hate Duke, I, I, I hate Duke as much as the guy next to me. Uh, <laughs> it's quite the career he's had. I mean, one of the the um, best. I would say he he's had the best career. I know John Wooden has more. Yeah titles and stuff but of everybody i if success wise i think at success wise and longevity he's been the best Mm -hmm. i mean dean smith built program dean smith built a program and a lifestyle roy built continued that legacy and brought success with it i feel coach k has been the more professional of the two well uh, Roy and Coach K have been more of the influential lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And they're both valid approaches. They're just two different ways of thinking about it. Mm-hmm. One touches the heart. One touches sort of... Uh, I don't want to say the wallet because it's not always about the wallet. <laughs> but it's... I don't It's kind of hard to... Hard to put it in there. It, it, there's a reason Dick Vitale, who I don't like him, I don't think many UNC fans like him, but there's a reason Dick Vitale has Dean Smith, Roy, 
and Coach K on his sort of quote Mount Rushmore of, of oh, college coaches. They're all legendary for their own reasons. And yeah. we've yeah. just had two of the legendary coaches retire in one calendar year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just crazy. Um, it's, I mean, imagine the ACC without Roy or Coach K. I mean, that just doesn't even make any sense. And then give him another, give another year for Beheim to retire after uh, Buddy Beheim is done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, definitely. Um, it's gonna look very different in college basketball. That's a lot of college wins out the window. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The I mean, ACC. The, uh, sorry, you can go. No, no. Coach K's the all-time winningest, right? I mean, yeah. But no, but we're also talking about Bayheim, Roy, and Coach K. Three of the top mm-hmm. five, all yeah. retiring at the same time, essentially. Like yeah, a year yeah. or two apart. If you guys hear rain, I'm sorry. There, there, it is raining outside. Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if you can hear it. But you've got three of the top five retiring in like a year, two-year window. Mm-hmm. The ACC is not going to recover from that easily. Not unless it's, Hubert yeah. Davis gets uh, hits the ground running. Or we see... Um, John Shire as well. John Shire as well, who's been named as the next duke head coach he was a former player uh so he will be the coach in waiting mm-hmm. so it's really gonna be up to florida state and virginia to hold the standard of the acc up for a year or two while these two coaches get you know stabilize their stuff and keep it going they might not need to you and uh, hubert davis might hit the ground running get us uh final four or something real quick but it's not guaranteed there's a lot of question marks in on this tobacco road in this next year two years yeah definitely um so we're just yeah losing legends yeah k has won national championships in three different decades yeah that's (laughs) <laughs> made final fours made final fours in four different decades um i kind of think that he's staying for this last year just to hope to get a chance to be able to extend that to five decades of final fours um because now we're in the 20s i mean i mean it's a guy who took a team who had never won a title before to consistently competing for them year in year out 40 something years. I mean, it's I also long feel amazing. I also feel he couldn't retire now because the guys he's recruited because he has a pretty good incoming class. Mm-hmm. He's basically promised them he'll pl- they'll play under him and if he's just right. promised that and he turns around and retires, it's not really a good show. Right, definitely. Uh Roy could get away with that a little bit cuz he only had two guys incoming. Right. And like, I don't know. No, I it's, it's a little easier when you're trying to mm-hmm. when you're recruiting Paulo Banchero really hard because mm-hmm. he wasn't supposed to go there. Uh, mm-hmm. Gonzaga and Kentucky were after him really hard, mm-hmm. and uh, he just all of a sudden committed to Duke. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah, a well, lot one of thing question I will say, marks. Yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah, well, just, you know, continuing what you said, uh, I have heard a lot of Cargill fans criticizing him for announcing a year in advance that he's going to retire. Um, because fan some fans are saying, oh, you just want the spotlight of everyone talking about you for a whole year. Um, They're already, everybody already talks about him. Right, and so I think that, and to push back on that and to kind of support what you were just saying, in terms of the program, like, you know, he's told people, he's been recruiting people, him and his staff, under the premise that he's going to coach. So it makes sense to kind of make it public. Like, oh, hey, okay, everyone, if you're going to come after next year, just know I'm not going to be there. Um, which I think that's a, res you know, respectful thing to be able to do him to kind of make it clear to recruits instead of just like retiring when it's too late for recruits to make their decision it, there's the also team. the way they announced uh like between roy and coach k they announced their decision they came to their conclusions differently coach mm -hmm. k said that it was just a discussion when's the day to stop and they decided you know we're gonna say this is our day to stop the, he had a discussion with his wife and they said this is the day to stop Roy and he said it wasn't about you know the changing scene the changing stuff in college basketball that's what he says Roy came, yeah. went about it a different way and you know the tearjerker way where uh, he no longer thinks he was the best guy for the job and we're all sitting here yeah. like if you're not the best guy for the job who the heck <laughs> is yeah who in the world uh, mm -hmm. so both, both of them deserve retirements, nice, happy retirements where they don't need to pull their hair out and everything. Yeah. They're both yeah. going to be remembered on both sides. They should mm -hmm. be remembered by both sides of the Tobacco Road for how legendary they are, how great they are. And they've are. made it the, yeah, the best college basketball rivalry is in large part due to them. Hate them all you want during the season. And when, when they're coaching, but when they retire, give them the respect they deserve. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if there's much else to say about that. Uh, what yeah. makes the rivalry so good are the players who play there now, the coaches who coach there now, and mm -hmm. the ones who were there before them. Now, mm -hmm. with Duke, it's been Coach K for so long, it's not as yeah. applicable. With, with UNC. Everybody look back to Dean Smith, and mm -hmm. we'll be looking back to Roy Williams, and now look to Hubert Davis for now. Well, Duke can just point straight back to Coach K as their leg, as the person who created their legacy. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. The uh, Coach yeah. K's last home game is gonna be the priciest ticket you've ever seen. <laughs> In Cameron Indoor Stadium versus UNC, if you thought ten thousand dollars for the for the Zion game at Cameron Indoor Stadium uh, versus UNC was expensive, oh boy, this like, is gonna be yeah. Are we gonna yeah, hit one million? Are we gonna hit one million? <laughs> I doubt that, but it's gonna be it's gonna be pricey. It's it's gonna be something we've never seen before because. You know, not only is it his last game, not only is it Duke Carolina, but the fact that Cameron is such a small stadium means there are not many tickets that go around. 
Um, also, there's the building anticipation. We will, we know about it right now. That game's not for a long time, many months from now. So there's going to be a building anticipation towards it. Yeah. Those yeah. students, those Duke <laughs> students who get to go in there are going to be fairly lucky. Definitely. Definitely. So, uh, let's put a bow tie on college basketball. Move to college baseball. Yes. And, uh... Yes. Gotta love it. Why, did, uh, why didn't you take the lead on this? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll take the lead on this. So, it's the NCAA tournament in baseball. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm going to give a brief overview of how the tournament works. So, there are 64 teams, right? So, that sounds familiar. Um, that's how college basketball used to be for a long time. Um, 64 teams. And it's broken up into 16 brackets of four right so the 16 brackets of four teams and in each of those brackets it's double elimination so if you lose once you're still in it but if you lose twice you're out and the the cool thing about college baseball is that the 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 top team in each bracket gets to host the regional that's what they call it it's they get to host that regional tournament so, for example, um, Arkansas is the number one seed out of all 64 teams. So that means that their regional tournament is at Arkansas Baseball Stadium. Uh, and it's pretty cool because it gets to involve the fans a lot. Because they get to say, like, hey, you know, we want to, you know, that, that's something to strive for. It's to strive towards being able to host the regionals. And then once you get to host the regional, you know, it's a huge deal. You get to see your team and cheer on your team as you try to advance through the tournament. So then, out of each bracket, one team advances. So one team per 16 bracket. So that means it goes on to, basically, the Super Regionals is what they're called, but it's a, a round of 16. It's almost like the Sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament in basketball. And the Super Regionals are, again, hosted by the better-ranked team. Uh, and that's a series, I believe it's a best of three series, the Super Regional. And then from there, it goes on to what's called the College World Series, which is the remaining eight teams. They all go to Omaha, Nebraska, and they have a big tournament there. So right now, we're still in the regionals. It's been a two or three days of the regionals. And so I'll, I'll give an overview of what UNC's done, as well as some of the other North Carolina teams, and then a couple uh, other comments related to that. So UNC's men's team, which is a very good team, they've made the College World Series a lot. Uh, they've not won the tournament, but they have made it the College World Series, that final eight, many times. They won their first game, which was huge. They, they beat UCLA 5-4. to four. However, they then lost the second game to Texas Tech. Texas Tech was the team who was hosting the tournament, or hosting the regional. So they lost to them, which meant that they went to basically the elimination game, um, which was or is today. And they're playing UCLA again. Unfortunately, it's looking very bad for the Tar Heels. They're down 8 nothing in the fourth inning. So that's, that's going to be a hard one to come back from. So it probably means that UNC is going to lose and be knocked out of the tournament, unfortunately. Which is a very early exit by UNC standards. 
Yeah, I, I thought UNC started their season pretty pretty strongly. Mm-hmm. I, I remember mm-hmm. they I thumped they Duke. Well, yeah. They thumped Duke, mm-hmm. and then but since then it's gone downhill. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they got in a tough bracket. I mean, having to play Texas Tech in that second game. Texas Tech is ranked number eight in the country, so that you know it's a tough bracket to be in. But still, I mean, you really thought that they would have been able to beat UCLA or at least play with them, given that they had already beaten them once earlier in the regionals. So that's that's kind of a little unfortunate. But, but anyways, going on to the other North Carolina teams, there are a lot of teams from North Carolina who've made it. So UNC, like I mentioned, Campbell, Charlotte, Duke, ECU, and NC State. So that's six teams right there. Um, Campbell, they lost their first game by a lot. They they oh lost their first gosh. game. VCU nineteen to four. Oh man. Uh, like yeah so let's just say that their pitchers had a really rough time um their next game their pitchers had a rough time again they let up 13 runs but somehow they still won the game they won the game 16 to 13 in that elimination game campbell did over samford um not not stanford it's samford s-a-m-f-o-r-d um wherever that is but yeah, so they've been a part of some high-scoring games. Now they, basically the spot that they're in, they play VCU again, I believe at some point today. Uh, I don't know if the, I don't think the game's started yet though. <clears throat> so they're going to play them and basically Campbell has to win their last, like they've got to win three in a row in order to make it to the Super Regional. So it's going to be tough. Probably not going to happen, but there's always a chance. Next up, UNC Charlotte. <clears throat> so they, I remember because yeah. I, I just finished my master's at UNC Charlotte. So mm-hmm. I've been bombarded by emails from the university saying, watch our baseball <laughs> team. They're really good. And they are ranked. They were ranked mm-hmm. this year. They're surprisingly mm-hmm. really good. I didn't get a yeah, chance to go yeah. see their uh, games. But uh, mm-hmm. they're they're good. I actually drove by uh, the baseball stadium here in they're doing stuff here. I don't know if they're a host, but uh, no, they were playing at you know, in Greenville at ECU. Oh, um, yeah. They the Charlotte played well. They played well. Yeah. They won their first game against Maryland, thirteen to ten. So another high scoring game. That's a theme of this tournament. Just so many high scoring games. Um, but yeah, they won their first game, thirteen to ten. Then they played ECU in that kind of second round and. Uh, ECU's ranked 13th in the country, and they, they really hung with them. They were leading for a while, but they ended up losing 7-5 to to ECU. And then, because of that, Charlotte then went into an elimination game with Maryland again. Um, Charlotte versus Maryland. Charlotte held the lead for most of the game. Uh, Maryland then tied it 1-1 in the eighth inning, and then Maryland hit, had a walk-off hit to win the game and eliminate Charlotte. So Maryland won 2-1, walk-off hit in the bottom of the ninth. So a very tough way for Charlotte to lose, but they really they really showed something. Yeah, it's kind of a disappointing end to their season because they were supposed to be really strong. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, then the other another team from... Well, I'll just go ahead with ECU because that was in the same bracket. So, like I said, ECU 
hosting the regional. They are a very good baseball program for not being in a, um, you know, a power conference. I mean, they're they're a very good program. They host regionals, you know, every once in a while, which is big. They're thirteenth in the country this year. They beat Norfolk State eight to five, and then, like I just said, they then beat Charlotte seven to five. Um, so now they they're waiting to. Or no, no, they're actually they're going to be playing Maryland later today. So ECU has not lost so far, but Maryland has lost once. So basically, how it works is that ECU only has to win one game, but since ECU's not lost yet, Maryland would have to win two games against ECU in order for Maryland to go on. So ECU's probably favored. You know, they're home. They've got a good crowd. The teams played really well. They actually have two of the top six players in the country in terms of most hits during the season. So they've uh, they've got a good chance to move on. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when people thought ACU was a football school. <laughs> they used to be. They used to be good until they fired, you know, Ruffling McNeil. But don't even get me started on that. Uh-oh. I mean, they had Chris Johnson. Chris Johnson played at ECU, so he he was he was a great player. But I guess they're a baseball school now. They're, yeah. they're more consistent in baseball. Yeah. And then we had uh, Duke was in the tournament. They lost to Liberty. Liberty. Yeah, <laughs> to Liberty. Um, they lost to Liberty. Then they beat Wright State fourteen to six. Now they're playing Liberty again in an elimination game, and they're getting pummeled 10-3, to so they're probably out of the tournament. You could say they're getting flamed. Yeah. (laughs) I like the pun there. (laughs) The Liberty Flames. Um, Yeah. And then to round it up, NC State, they beat Alabama 8-1 in the first round, and then I'm trying to see where I wrote down what happened after that. Then they beat Louisiana Tech eight to three louisiana tech was the team who hosted the tournament um and the team that's ranked number 16 in the country so that was a huge win by state by five runs too against number 16 against a very good team so they're now one game away from making the super regionals which would be huge huge for them yeah so north carolina school is doing well um and so not to bore you about college baseball but two more things one Florida was number 15 in the country, and they hosted a regional. They got bounced super early. They lost their first two games, like, you know, back-to-back. Usually, if you host the regional, usually at least win at least one game, but uh, they lost their first game in a close one, and then they lost their second one to South Alabama, 19-1. Oh, uh, to South Alabama? Yeah, Florida oh, was gosh. supposed to be a top sixteen team, and they lost nineteen to one. Oof. How do you score nineteen that, that, runs? That. How do you let up nineteen runs in a baseball game? Uh you might want to ask. Uh, <laughs> want to ask UConn that? Yes, that's true. UConn let up quite a few more runs. Uh, UConn lost twenty six to three to Notre Dame. Oh, oh. <laughs> that yeah. Where's Mercy Rule? I know, I know. At some point, when it's gotten to a 20-run lead, 
like the umpires just gotta call it at some point you know <laughs> uh feel bad for the yukon players who had to keep on going out there yeah that's rough that's rough so story of the tournament it's is it's been very high scoring I, I'm seeing uh, a couple more interesting ones here. We got Maryland beating Norfolk State 16 to nothing. <laughs> that, come on, ring the bell. Ding, ding, ding. They're out. <laughs> 16 to nothing. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that's, that's quite a win. Th- that's, that's nothing to say that uh, Southern Mississippi beat Southeast Missouri State 21 to nothing. So, uh,. Just that's like a football score. Yeah, that, that's a football score. Yeah, that is yeah, a football score. Nothing. How yeah. the heck does? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess the one good thing about all this is that I think more people are going to watch baseball when you can turn on the TV and watch twenty-one runs. Because people complain about oh, baseball's slow and boring and not much happens. But when you have like you know a team scoring twenty-one runs. Um, or like even like the the Campbell Samford game sixteen to thirteen like that that's some exciting stuff right there. I mean, what fans. limits baseball speed is the transition between batters and sort mm-hmm. of the the downtime between pitches. Because yeah. I mean, you can only throw the baseball so fast, so hard, so many times in a certain amount of time. Right. And right. That's really your limiting factor right there. That's what makes it slow, yeah. and it's kind of hard to speed it up. No, it is. It definitely is. Um, yeah, you're right, because of the arms of the pitchers. I mean, when you're throwing a baseball 80 to 90 miles per hour, or even higher um, in, in the pros, you know, people are throwing 100 miles per hour all the time. That's a lot of work your arm's going through. And so, like, you need those breaks in between each pitch and each batter. So it's, it's going to, yeah, yeah, but... We can debate the state of baseball at a later time, I think, because I think I think there's a lot to be said there about. Yeah, we can baseball. debate the state of baseball another day because we got to talk a little bit about hockey before we jump into a little yes. bit of soccer. So, Carolina Hurricanes blew away Game Four. Ugh, so far. they were up four two in the second, and then were down five four five four by the end of the second, and are now down. Three to one versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, uh, they are on life support. Their their uh, Stanley Cup Stanley Cup playoff hopes, or their Stanley Cup hopes, mm-hmm. are on life support. Somebody help them out, please. They gotta come yeah. back here. They they have the definitely have the firepower to do it, but uh. Let's hope they can come back. You can't do that against. I mean, the, the you know, if you're up by two goals on the defending Stanley Cup champions, you can't just let up. Let up that lead in the same period that you get the lead. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's that's disappointing. Uh, in I other news, they're done. Yeah, I don't want. I I'm not counting them out yet. I'm not counting them okay. out yet, yeah. but it's yeah. close. It's close. Yeah. Uh, New York Islanders and the Boston Bruins tied 2-2. Uh, mm-hmm. Colorado Avalanche up 2-1 in Vegas. Golden Knights. Montreal Canadiens up on the Winnipeg Jets 2-0. Canadiens 
had the worst record of all the 16 teams to make the playoffs this year. So them being up 2-0 to zero on the Jets is pretty extraordinary. And in the second round of the playoffs, too. I mean, this yeah. is not the first round. This is the second round of the playoffs. And we're down to eight teams left. I mean, that's, that's impressive for the Canadians to play that, just barely make the playoffs, and now be doing so well. Yeah, the uh, Canadians and Jets play at 6 p.m. tonight, and Colorado and Vegas play at 8.30. So uh, that's what's uh, – this is on Sunday the 6th of June. So there we go. Uh, yeah. They'll be catching up to where the Hurricanes are four games played. Uh, moving on to soccer, there are two tournaments about to start. Two very big ones, one in Europe one in South America. But first, we got a little bit of news. So, mm-hmm. Carlo Ancelotti, uh, who was coaching, head coaching at Everton in the Premier League, has left Everton to rejoin Real Madrid as manager after uh, legendary coach, legendary player Zinedine Zidane, Zizou, uh, left Real Madrid, mutual consent. Uh so Ancelotti returns to Real Madrid and every Real Madrid that needs a little bit of a rebuild, that needs a squad investment, it is an aging squad. So that is something to definitely watch. Um, but now, let's, while we're talking about Europe, let's, let's talk about the Euros a little bit. So the Euros, basically the national teams of European countries of the, I believe, six... 24 best countries uh, that qualify in Europe. Their national teams come together into four, into six groups of four and play to, to qualify for a knockout round. So, six groups of four, round robin in each group. The two best teams in each group advances to the knockout stage. Once these teams hit the knockout stage, they progress like NCAA March Madness, and they would keep going one game, one game, one game, till they get to a final. With that being said, let's talk about the contenders, and those groups would be next up, and then possible Cinderella teams. So, going group by group right now, we're going to talk about Group A. Turkey, Italy, Wales, Switzerland. In my eyes, I see Italy and Wales coming out, though. I could see Switzerland instead of Wales. This is one of the weakest groups in this tournament, I've got to say. Well, what do you think? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, as Gareth... Um, I, every time we talk about Wales in soccer, I just think about Gareth Bale's flag that he had that said, Wales, Gaul, Madrid, in that order. Um, <laughs> uh, taking a dig at his club team. He Real did Madrid, not like Madrid, time, so. and Madrid he, he did not like Wales, him. Apparently, it's apparently yeah. more important than golf. Yes, for him, which maybe is saying something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so expect group, a good tournament from him. Yeah, this I believe this is his last tournament. I think he's retiring from the national team after this. So one last chance to make a splash on the national team uh, stage. But, uh, like I said, Group A, Turkey, Italy, Wales, Switzerland. That's the weakest of them, in my opinion. Moving on to Group B, Denmark, Finland, Belgium, Russia. Uh, Denmark and Belgium favorites to come out there. 
can't really argue with that. Russia is not very strong. Russia's not really strong while uh, Finland doesn't really have uh, too much too much to really put up much of a fight. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, I can now. Hello, hello? Yeah, I hear you. Uh, can you hear me? Do you hear me now? Alright, uh, you are muted, by the way. Well, we, well, he gets that sorted, I'll keep going with the groups. Um, so group B, a little stronger than group A. Belgium is one of the stronger teams in the tournament. We'll get to that in a little bit. I'll get to all the favorites and the best teams in this tournament in a little bit. Uh, group C, Netherlands, Austria, Ukraine, Northern Macedonia. Another sort of weaker uh, group. Uh, group C, and that's Group C. Netherlands, Austria, probably coming out of their bar something catastrophic. Group D is where start things start to get spicy. England, Croatia, Scotland, and the Czech Republic. Now, Scotland... Scotland wasn't expected to make the tournament. The Scottish soccer has not been strong for some time. And as, as such, nobody expected them to get in. Croatia has veterans... They're a veteran uh, team. Uh, Czech Republic. Czech Republic and Croatia play fairly similarly where they're going to be very physical. They play sort of count. They'll play on the counter. They'll try to bully players. Scotland is counterattack also. England is a wild card. England has an exceptional amount of talent while also... Being held back by their coach and also by their egos. England for the longest time has had tremendous talent, tremendous players. Wayne Rooney, Rio Ferdinand, Paul Scholes, Michael Carrick, and uh, and they've done really nothing. They haven't won, they haven't beaten an actual team. An actual strong team. And by a strong, like yeah. someone who's comparable. So they're going to have to shake off the stigma where they're all, they're all just big names. But when it comes to actually show how good they are, they don't just fall flat on their face. That's going to be the challenge for England. Given that Group D, England and Scotland Scotland is the my wild card here. I think England and Scotland will make it out. Croatia is old. They have a lot of old players. I don't know if they can keep up. Scotland has... They have some young players. They have a little bit of experience. I think they're going to be a wild card in here. Um, if Scotland doesn't make it out, I think Croatia will make it out. Uh, Group E. Spain, Sweden, Poland, Slovakia. This is a little bit more up in the air. Now, why is this up in the air? It's because Sweden is getting Zlatan Ibrahimovic back. 
This guy's and if he's not forty, he's close to forty. He is <laughs> old, but he ages like fine wine. He's <laughs> how else to describe him other than just saying he's Zlatan. He has an incredible god complex. <laughs> and that's putting get mildly. Uh, but Sweden mild. also has very good role players on their team. Spain mm-hmm. Spain has an attacking problem. Which I'll get to in a little bit here. Spain has a little bit of an attacking problem. They don't have a striker. They don't have attackers that are very good. Poland has Robert Lewandowski from Bayern Munich. The same guy who scored 40-something goals this season in the league, in the German uh, Major League. Yeah. Poland's getting out as long as they can... As long as Poland lets Lewandowski score more goals than they let in, they'll be okay. <laughs> That's really been the trick for Poland. Yeah, yeah. Sweden, I, it's either Spain or Sweden getting out. I have Spain because I think they're more complete than Sweden. So, but Sweden's a wild card that I don't have getting in, in Group E. So again, Group E. Spain, Poland getting out, Sweden, Slovakia not getting out. And then we get to Group F. If there was a group you did not want to ever happen, that you were you were praying as a player, please do not put us in here. If you were like uh, a manager praying to the soccer gods, do not let this happen we, so we can all qualify. This is the group that, that you would not get. Group F. Hungary? Okay, you know, not nothing, you know. They're not very good. Portugal, yeah. France, and Germany. Good grief. Who in their right mind thought putting Portugal, France, and Germany in this same group? Same group, gosh. <laughs> that is about as difficult as a group gets. Yes, that is that is as difficult as a group gets. That or Hungary. Yeah. Hungary can just not show up, honestly. <laughs> Though I have I a feeling who, yeah. they're going to take a point off somebody. Really? Yes. Okay. And that somebody's probably Germany. So, in here, in Group F, we have the two favorites, in my opinion, to win the Euros. Portugal and France. Those are the two most complete teams in the tournament. Mm-hmm. They have a defense. They have a midfield. And they have an offense. They have depth and positions. They have coaching that can win it. France won the World Cup last time. Portugal won the Euros last time. That happened. So, Portugal's got Cristiano Ronaldo. France's got Paul Pogba, Antoine Griezmann, Kylian Mbappe. And that's without... In Portugal, that's without mentioning Bruno Fernandes, João Felix. It's spelled João Felix, but it's pronounced Felix. Bernardo, uh, Bernardo Silva. The, these are all tremendous attacking players. But they mm-hmm. also have good midfielders, good defenders. Portugal's weakness is probably going to be the fullbacks, sort of the wide defenders. Um, mm-hmm. But even France doesn't have very good wide players uh, in defense, so they kind of balance. Yeah. And, yeah. And, this, and I'm talking about Portugal and France by themselves. Germany, for... Germany has great players, but they're not complete, mm-hmm. in my opinion. 
Germany's gonna miss out uh, on the next stage of the Euros. Yeah, I mean someone's got to. They so. don't have an they don't have a striker. They have very good team unity. They have a they have midfielders. They have defenders. Mm-hmm. They miss out on attack, mm-hmm. and that was fairly evident the last time they went to the World Cup, and it hasn't been solved since then. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, their 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 coach is done with Germany, the German national team after this tournament. It's already wow. been announced. So and he's been there for a long time. He's won a World Cup for them. Yeah. Yep. So uh, he's done his job. He's done his duty, and uh, sure he's done. So Group F, I have Portugal, France getting out, Germany and Hungary missing out. Mm-hmm. So basically, the winners of each group get put into basically a top bin. The lo- the second place in each group get put into another bin, and then a, f- a first place will face a second place that is not in their group. And mm-hmm. how that's organized is. We'll, we'll shit let you know when it's all been finalized and everything. This does start on the 11th of June. Uh, so, and this will be on ESPN, I believe. Oh, so, nice. That's good. Yep. Yeah, there's soccer. This midday, morning, maybe early afternoon. And then later in the afternoon, you've got uh, soccer, NBA playoffs, NHL. There's so much stuff to watch. It's so good. But uh, let's get to the contenders here. These are these are the two teams I think have the best chance to win everything. And those two teams are from the same group F. France and Portugal. Who would have known? Um, as I've said earlier, I'm not going to rehash it too much. France and Portugal complete in attack, complete in midfield, complete in defense. And uh, they both have the tools to win it all. Uh the keys for them are to not get injured. Just as many players you can keep fit because the games come every few days, every two, three days, playing 90 minutes or more. Um, keeping your players fit, uninjured, fresh, etc. That is going to be the keys for these two teams to win it all. Um, sort of in that next bracket below them who have a chance would be Belgium and England. Belgium has some good attacking talent. Romelu Lukaku, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, and Eden Hazard. Some asterisks next to Belgium, though. Kevin De Bruyne had an injury uh, during the Champions League final, which might rule him out for the Euros. Don't know how long you'd be ruled out for. And even then, if he's injured and he's come back, he'll come back, he's not going to be 100%. And Eden Hazard has not been the same player since he left Chelsea two seasons ago. Just hasn't. He is unfit. He just doesn't look like the same player at all. Can't doesn't attack, doesn't run, doesn't close distances as well. So it's basically Romelu Lukaku uh, and another midfielder, Yuri Tielemans. Uh, we're going to be carrying the weight for Belgium. and They have some okay defenders and okay midfielders. Their manager, Roberto Martinez, is fairly good at getting the best out of the players he has. So that's really what's hold, uh, keeping Belgium up. But I have this feeling they're going to get found out in this tournament. But yeah. if Roberto Martinez can get them all picking, I think they have a good chance of uh, going far. And then England. 
England has a chance to go far, and they will go as far as Marcus Rashford can take them. Marcus Rashford, who is known for his philanthropic work, he was given the uh, order, he, he was inducted into the Order of the British Empire, which is an award you get specifically from the Queen of England for being a good person <laughs> and doing tremendous things. He helped feed a lot of kids during the COVID pandemic who relied on school meals. He battled wow. prime, uh, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson and won. So, yeah. He is not just a great soccer player, a phenomenal soccer player, but he is also very good off the off the field. But Marcus Rashford has been battling an injury, multiple injuries. He's had a shoulder injury, a little bit of a back problem, a foot problem in the past year. And right now he's trying to deal with a shoulder injury and uh, among others, small niggling ones, but he's still able to play. In fact, he played today against Romania and scored a penalty winner. Uh, sort of just warm-up games for the Euros. Well, everybody will want to talk uh, lyrical Harry Kane and him scoring, because Harry Kane does score goals. He's good at that. And uh, other stars in the England team. Marcus Rashford is really the player who puts a spark in this team. He runs. He closes. He, he can see things a lot of players can't. He'll do a lot of things players won't do. He'll run till he can't run he will run until he literally is unable to run anymore which is like he pushes his body over the limit which as a Manchester United fan which is where he plays I'm not a fan of it because he's hurting himself doing this you know but this is a guy who gives everything England will go as far as he goes and also it depends on how much uh, Gareth Southgate, the manager of England, can push them. Because, uh, personally, I'm not a fan of Gareth Southgate. He is not a smart manager. He does not know how to manage young players. He he put an 18-year-old on a press conference when he's never been in a press conference before. And he yeah. was getting... He didn't even shelter him from any certain questions. And he was bombarded and it just ruined this player for... Uh, a few months before he got back on track because mm -hmm. you know there's mental pressures with this um also i guess southgate selected like four or five right backs to go to the tournament mm -hmm. and one of them pulled out uh trent alexander arnold which is sort of important because he is a big source of uh crossing for this team Gareth Southgate and how he manages this team is really going to be a limiting factor. Because England will play... They'll play remarkably well in qualifying for tournaments. And they'll play great when up against pretty bad teams. When they face Belgium, when they face France, Portugal, Germany, they're going to struggle. When they face teams that have experience, know how to deal with, a team, with good teams, they're going to struggle. They, they are not very good at this. Uh, this team is still on the younger side. They do have some experienced players in there, but they have a lot of younger players, which is fairly good for a young team. England is in the middle or 
if they're there in the middle, it's in the very beginning of the middle of their golden generation of players. Yeah. Um, so they have a chance to go to the semis. I could see them making the semis, but they would need a little bit of luck in the draw when it comes to who they face in the uh, semifinals. Because if they mm-hmm. come up against France or Portugal, I'm sorry, you're not getting past them. England. Yeah. They will yeah. tear you apart. Mm-hmm. And then come the two Cinderella teams. I don't know how far these guys will go. <laughs> but it's going to be fun to see if, how far they go. And that would be Scotland. Uh, their big players, John McGinn, Scott McTominay. Um, and then Wales. Uh, Daniel James and Gareth Bale. That's two, two big players to look out for. Uh, both of them being attackers. This tournament's fairly significant, in my opinion, for France because, and, and even for Portugal. This might be the last tournament for Portugal where they have Ronaldo. Ronaldo isn't getting any younger. I uh, Ronaldo might make the World Cup because it's next year. But this yeah, is this is one of the last two chances for Portugal to have Ronaldo to win another thing. Mm-hmm. And for France, their golden generation is coming towards the end. I mean, yes, they have Mbappe. They have a couple good young players. But they don't have the entire team of five-star talent. It's starting to get older right now. This is, the, I think this year and next year are their last chances to win more. I mean, they won the World Cup last time. But if they want to keep winning more, this is their last chance with this group before they need to go through a little bit of a rebuild. And Portugal's sort of on the same level. Though Portugal's players are a little bit more spread out. You're you're only worried about Ronaldo here. But uh, that's, that's my lengthy sort of thing about the Euros. I highly recommend watching, even just putting it on in the background. Um, Like I said, France, Portugal, the favorites, Belgium, England, second tier there, and uh, Germany missing out uh, on all the fun. Big sad for Germany. Yeah. That's the worst group you could have possibly gotten. I didn't even talk that much about Italy. Italy, in short, has like two good players, two players that are really good, and then the rest of their team just isn't up to snuff. That's mm-hmm. that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, they they'll yeah. get out of the first group and then just not get past it. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So, uh, next up in South America, we got Copa America. If you'd like to spill the details yes. on that. Yes, Copa America. So it's basically the same thing as the Euros, except for South American teams. Um, uh, and before getting into analysis, there's some. There's been some changes as to where the tournament's even going to be held. It was originally supposed to be in Argentina, also originally supposed to be last year in 2020, but it's been moved to this year and been moved to Brazil. Uh, you know, the COVID numbers in Argentina were getting very high and spiking, and Argentina kind of backed out and they said, we can't do this. Brazil then decided, hey, we, we can host this tournament. Although their numbers have been kind of, you know, looking similar as Argentina. And so some Brazilian players are very upset that the tournament's being held in 
Brazil, and some of them have talked about boycotting the tournament. So there is, there, there there's some stuff going on. Uh, there's there's lots of stuff going on with this tournament. So who knows who all's even going to be playing? You know, if Brazil boycotted a tournament in their own country. I mean, that's kind of unheard of. Um, might happen. It might not. Who knows? So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead with this analysis, assuming that the tournament's actually played, and assuming that you know all the teams are actually there. Let's um, not forget that in Brazil, uh, the COVID numbers aren't that much better than Argentina. They're probably worse. So the right, Brazilian right. players have sort of an argument to make there, right? Because they're like, hey, why would you if if it's so bad? that you cannot have it in Argentina, then why are you, you know, having it in our country when we're no better, if not worse? Government um, officials those... government officials in Brazil have not been taking COVID very seriously. Yeah, they're... Um, On a variety know, US, of levels. Right, right. In the U.S., I mean, we're at a point where numbers have been basically falling since mid-January. I mean, our, our peak in the U.S., of number of cases was like between november and january but for argentina and brazil i mean right now is their peak in terms of number of cases so that's that's kind of some context for what what's going on in these other countries but um let, let's assume that let's assume that the tournament does get played let's assume that it uh, all the teams do play in the tournament the structure is that there are two groups of five teams, right? And um, in each group, everyone plays each other. And then the top four teams out of each group go on to the next round, which is honestly, like, that's a lot of um, four out of the five teams in each group get to make it onto the knockout stages. Like, that's, that's a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of teams. Uh, you've really got to screw up to be able to make the knockout stages. But basically, it then goes into you know the quarterfinals, and that's single elimination stuff, kind of like the Euros is in the knockout rounds. Um, in one group, you got Argentina, Bolivia, Chile, Uruguay, and Paraguay, and then the other group, you have Brazil, Colombia, Venezuela, Ecuador, and Peru. Right, and I'm gonna go through the teams that I think that are gonna have a have a chance in this. Because I'm going to go ahead and count out Bolivia. I'm going to go ahead and count out Peru. Um, Paraguay as well. They've Paraguay's had a decent World Cup qualifying campaign. Um, kind of the perspective of as long as we don't lose, then we can do well. I mean, they've tied almost every single game they've played in the World Cup qualifiers. Like, all but one. Uh, I mean, it's only been five games, but still, it's yeah, they come to a lot of ties. And I don't think that's going to work in this tournament. So I'm, I'm basically looking at five teams, right? Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Chile, and Uruguay. And they all have positives to them. You know, Argentina, you have Lionel Messi, right? Mm. Having him on your team gives you a chance no matter what. Yeah, like, he needs no, no introduction. Right, he needs no introduction. It's Lionel Messi, one of the greatest ever. Um, now, one thing to be said, Argentina, he has not won a tournament with Argentina. That's the one knock on him. Ronaldo recently won one. He won the last UEFA Euros, but Ar but Messi has not. So when you know people compare Messi to the other Argentinian star Maradona, people say, well, you know, Messi hasn't won a tournament. So this this would be big for him to be able to win. 
Um, but it's not just one player on a team, right? You also have another striker in uh, Lautaro Martinez. I'm not exactly too sure how to pronounce his first name, but Martinez is a rising star. He's only 23 years old, so that inexperience could be a problem. But despite being 23, he already has 11 goals for the national team. And that's a lot to have by 23 years old. Also, he's playing in good form. I mean, this past year, he scored 17 goals for Inter Milan as Inter Milan won Serie A in Italy. So he, he played a huge role in Milan winning, or Inter Milan uh, winning that title, their first title in a while. So he could be a possible breakout star. So they've got a good, a good attack. They've got a pretty decent midfield. Um, Angel de Maria, of course, is another great Argentinian player. He's the snake. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's getting a little older. He's 33. So, you know, I wonder if age will be a factor. But he's a great player who, if playing at his best, will help make it a great midfield. Another player in their midfield, Lucas Ocampos, is a guy that you know, I think people should watch out for. He's only played eight times for the national team, so that's a little bit of concern, but he's been playing well the past couple of years. Uh, he played a large role in helping his club team, Sevilla, win the Europa League last year, including um, scoring the game-winning goal in the 88th minute in the quarterfinals of the Europa League last year. So he's got lots of talent, and it'll be interesting to see if he can translate to that to the you know, national team play. The one downside of Argentina is their defense, right? And so I'm, I, which I should have said this earlier, but I'm going based off of the rosters that most recently played. So this past week, um, teams have been playing in World Cup qualifiers. So I'm, I'm basing this stuff based off the rosters that played just a few days ago because I feel like that's who they would probably use. I mean, with some tweaks, but their roster that they used just a few days ago. Out of their four defensive players, two of them are 23, one of them is 25, and their four defensive starters last game, uh, or no, sorry, those those three I just mentioned, the two 23-year-olds and the one 25-year-old, they've combined for less than 20 appearances for the national team. Less than 20 among those three players. That's not good. That is so much inexperience. And when you're going to be, to win this tournament, Argentina they're going to be, have to be able to go up against teams like Brazil with Neymar, um, Uruguay with Luis Suarez, and other teams with good attacking forwards and attacking midfielders. So I think that defense is going to be a problem for them. Um, yeah. I don't know. What Argenti- Argentina in the past has had problems mostly with their consistency and their attack. A lot of the time, their Argentina's issue was yeah. that they would just give it to Messi and pray he would solve their problems. They didn't have mm-hmm. an offensive plan. That would yeah. be their weakness. Right, right. And that's when they had a, an experienced back line. Now their midfield and their attacking line is older. Mm-hmm. Now, they do have Latoro Martinez. He's really good uh, with Inter. How this translates into a team is dependent on their coaching. And that's another thing with Argentina. They've been so held back by their coaching. Mm -hmm. Almost every time their coaching has been absolutely trash. (laughs) 
Messi has not had the wealth of coaching experience help him. Yeah. And that's really what's held him back. Now, just because their defense is young doesn't mean they can't go far. Just, sure. just because they're older in the front doesn't mean they won't go far. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I don't even know who's their coach. Uh, I should probably look that up really quickly. Yeah, it is... You know, that, that would have been a good thing to look up. That shows you kind of how forgettable the coach is. Um, uh, Lionel Scaloni is their head coach. All right. Uh, and his only head coaching experience has been with Argentina. So he started with the team in 2018. Um, as their, Or started as the head coach in 2018. He's done, from what I'm looking at his record with them, he's done... Decent, but you know, could have been better. Yeah. Well, we're gonna have to see. Yeah, definitely. They, definitely. Their previous coaching appointments have not been good. Let's just say that. Yeah. They've been they, Argentinian the Argentinian football association torpedoed themselves multiple times. So much so that Messi basically retired like multiple times from the national team and threatened to yeah. join the Spanish national team because that's somehow something you can do. Um, but that's this is going to be a real testing thing. I don't know if Argentina is going into this tournament expecting to win it. Let's just say that. Right, right. I think there there are other teams that are better, like Brazil. It, it's. I think it's about. Let's test the waters. Let's get some experience, tournament experience, for the World Cup next year. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to look at it. Yeah, but who knows? I mean, when you've got Messi on your team, anything can happen. So, but yeah, they probably, yeah, I'm not picking them to win, but they'll do decent. They'll make it a knockout stage. They could make it to the semifinal or even possibly the final based on how the matchups go in the knockout rounds but yeah yeah let's see who they have um brazil another team who is who should be good if you look at their roster i mean they've they've got a really good roster starting at the back their defensive players play at some of the biggest clubs in the world um daniello and alex sancho they both play for juventus Marquinhos plays for PSG and is actually, I think, PSG's captain. Um, either uh, Melatio, Mil- Mil- is that how you say it? Militao. Militao? Adair Militao. Um, Militao. Militao. He plays for Real Madrid. So those are four guys who all play at huge clubs who have huge expectations every single day. And I and that's, that's going to be helpful because Brazil is going to have huge expectations and when you're a team like Brazil you're expected to make it far in Copa America and compete so that's going to be good um and then also this is a team that you know these defenders can from the club level and then also some of the national team have shown that they like to play a little offensively some um especially Alexandro you know he's he likes to push forward from his position as left back 
So that'll be something to watch, how that defense tries to press forward some and start the attack. Um, then your midfield, um, you know, you've got multiple players. Casemiro and Fred are probably the two most famous. Uh, Casemiro has the nickname The Tank because of his style of play. He's known as playing a little more defensively, which also, you know, it kind of works well with the fact that there, some of the defensive players like to play a little more offensively. So that blends together Casemiro, you know, doing that. Um, Fred has played, he's pre played pretty regularly for Manchester United this past year. I'm sure that you could talk uh, lots about his, his play. Have you think he's played well this year? Uh, sometimes. See, mm -hmm. the, issue, the issue with Fred is that he can't pass wind. Let's just say that he, for for a midfielder who's supposed to be able to take the ball from the defense and move it up into the attack, and that's not really what he's supposed to do. He's right. more of a player that is get the ball from a defender under pressure. This you play Fred when you're playing a team that's pressuring you, that is mm -hmm. pressing uh, uh, on you, where players are closing in on you. He's good at being pressed keeping the ball and then passing it to somebody else or keeping the ball and going past them uh, or drawing a foul. That's what he's good at. Yeah. Do not let Fred try to shoot the ball. He will send it into Rosie every single time. Um, it is infuriating. He can also, when he's bad, he's really bad. When he's good, he's really good. And it's one of the two. Right. That's and, usually yeah, what yeah. it is. It's not. Well, it's not something in the middle. So. Yeah. The the thing is though, even though he cannot shoot to save his life, I don't think they should Brazil should even be thinking about letting him taking any shots. No, they've got a no. good enough of like, you know, because they don't need to have him even try well, to. Be let's put it this like way: that. the Manchester yeah. United coach and players all joke. About Fred's shooting abilities, if that means <laughs> anything. Good. Yeah, that's that's not good. So they, they should lean on their forwards, which Brazil have great forwards. Neymar, who needs no introduction. Um, absolutely amazing player. And then also Richarlison and uh, Gabriel. Uh, Gabriel Barbosa is a budding star at Flamengo. At one point, he was even called the next Neymar. So that shows you kind of the expectations for him. And then also, Richarlison, he is a great player, at least in my opinion. He has played very well for Everton the past few years. He's really carried that Everton team offensively. So with Brazil, not only do you have Neymar, you know, who's one of the best in the world at his position, but now you've got two guys around him who can really help out, you know, does not have to be the Neymar show. He's got players around, those two guys around him, who can help him out in the attack. And I think that's what's going to make them scary, is that it's not just him. It, you've got other players who I think are going to make it, you know, really break through and have a great tournament. Plus, they've got defense who knows how to play with expectations um, and an experienced midfield I, I think brazil's gonna look pretty good this tournament they're they're one of my top teams in my opinion all right yeah yeah so um another team another team to consider is colombia so i don't know as much about 
their roster, but I do know one thing. Some of their players have some chemistry together. So their two starting strikers, Zapata and Moriel, they both play for Atalanta in Italy. And they, and they finished for... third, or did they finish? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're good. Atalanta was good this year. And it'll very be. good. I mean, to make the Champions League in a country, you know, finish top four in a country where you've got AC Milan, Inter Milan, Juventus, Napoli, Roma, Lazio. I mean, so many great teams in that league. And for Atalanta to play that well, that's that's big. And the fact that they play together, I think, is going to be so huge because they have that chemistry. Because the thing with national teams, I know that there are all these talented players who play together, but they don't get too much experience together. You know, in, in club with your club team, you're playing 30-something games in your regular season, not including cup play in, you know, Champions League or Europa League play. So it, with your club team, you're playing with these guys so much, but international team, it's just kind of, you know, here and there you play a few games during the year. So that experience is going to be good. And it's not just those two um, who have experience playing together. You also have um, in the... Um, I'm trying to find uh, where I wrote down their names. In the midfield, you've got Luis Diaz and uh, Mateus Uribe, who both play for Porto, who, again, have played together for a couple years now. So they know how to play with each other. They know where the other is going to be when they need to pass the ball. And that, again, is going to be another... I think it's going to be big. They have players who've played together on the club team. And I, that chemistry could be very important. So I think that's something to watch out for. They're, no, gonna, they don't have they're this... going to be one of those teams that's going to be hard to break down. Yes, yes, yes. Um, they have no the the one problem with them though is they don't have like this one dominant player, right? You know, Argentina, Messi can go out there and just go crazy. I mean, that's a bad thing, but it's also a good thing. It makes teams harder. Right. It makes it harder They're for teams to yeah to stop you, but and it also makes it harder for a team to be over reliant on a player like Argentina is over reliant on Messi, and Brazil mm-hmm. over reliant on Neymar. So, mm-hmm. yeah. there, there are pros and cons to this, but I like Colombia as a team that can be a fairly good bogey team here. Mm-hmm. They can pull Definitely. off an upset. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that they're gonna they can surprise some people. Uh, next up is Chile. They, <clears throat> they're a thing that I or their team that I think is gonna do very well. Also, um, their defense is very very experienced between the top four defensive players that they have they have a combined 331 national team appearance national team appearances that's crazy that's yeah that's four players how old are these players um and they can't be can't be young at all they got no they're old so that's that's the one problem um that they are a little older. This whole team is a little older. Yes. Um, everyone on the team's older. So that can be a problem. You can either say, okay, well, it's going to be bad because there's going to be wear and tear building up over a long tournament. I mean, this is, you know, a long tournament. you got to play four group stage matches before the knockout stages even start. Um, and this is coming right after 
long seasons. So that could be a problem. Or you could say, well, no, this is a good thing because these guys have experience. They know how to play. They know how to play in this pressure, in this kind of environment. They know how to pick apart opposing teams. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think their defense is solid. Their midfield's pretty good, too. They, um, you know, they, they have some experience in the midfield. And then their forwards, Alexis Sanchez and Eduardo Vargas, are both a little bit older, 32 and 31, respectively. They've been great players throughout their careers. I believe Chile won the but, last one of these, right? The last Copa Yeah, they America? did. They, yeah, they won the last Copa America. I'm, they beat yeah, uh, Argentina on a penalty shootout? What was it? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, actually, Brazil won. Oh, yeah, Brazil won the last one, and then Chile won the one before that in on a penalty shootout. Yeah. On a penalty shootout, yeah. They actually won, like, the two before. Um, so this team, like, these players know how to how to win. They've, they've done it before, and then pretty recently. This is For Chile's me, last chance. Right, it's their last thing. chance. It depends on Sanchez and Vargas. How do they play? Because they, the, with the with their clubs this season, they haven't really, you know, done. Sanchez too much. has a habit of picking up injuries. Yeah, Alexis Sanchez yeah. has a habit of picking up injuries. So, I don't see Chile going very far, to be honest. Despite their experience, mm -hmm. they'll go to the they they'll go to the knockout, of course, but. Definitely. I don't know how far they'll get. It's going to depend on their injury buildup and how well they're rotated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, injuries are going to be huge, and how they manage the um, stamina of their players is going to be huge. Um, last up, Uruguay. So, this team overall is dangerous. Yeah, very dangerous. Very dangerous. Uh, Jose Maria Jimenez, he played a very important role with Atletico Madrid this past year. And you know, he played a big role in helping them win, win La Liga. He has, and then also you've got Diego Godin, um, who's also an amazing player. He's getting older, though. He's 35. Martin uh, Caceres, he's also getting older, 34. So it's a little worrisome seeing those kind of older players in the back when they're 34, 35. Um, but they've got potential midfield their midfield is young and dangerous Bentacor and Valverde are very talented players they're both 20 they're 22 23 I forget which one's 22 one of them's 22 one of them's 23 I get it mixed up and they both play regular minutes at very big clubs Bentacor at Juventus Valverde at um Real Madrid so being able to get big minutes at clubs like that at such a young age really shows how talented they are. And so, so the thing's going to be, okay, is their youth going to be exposed? Or, you know, are, are they going to show the potential that they have? Um, and then lastly, up top, I mean, you've, you've got a few different players, but most importantly, Luis Suarez. He's fresh off of winning a La Liga title. He's out to prove people wrong after being let go by Barcelona last year. So I personally am expecting some good play by Suarez. I think he's going to continue the momentum of winning La Liga into you know carrying that into this tournament. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting.
it'll be interesting to see. There's a lot of talent, but some of it's old and, you know, getting a little old. It's so like their defense and Luis Suarez at 34. And then some of it's very young as well. So Benthicor and Valverde, which causes me some, some concern. But they have the pieces to they have the pieces to win it, I think. Is Edison Cavani not playing? Uruguay this did he retire from the national team um I don't think he played in their last game now I don't know if that's just them um let me check which gonna call it okay let's see um uh, he might be playing and that's that would be very big if he played um maybe the reason he didn't play in the last game was because of you know trying to save him up for the tournament it doesn't say he's retired from the team so he should be he should yeah he should be part of the squad he's 34 so another guy who's a little bit older but um I'm trying to see if there, he was on the bench. He was not on the bench in their last game. That is interesting. But in... Because they played June 3rd. And their previous game before that was... Back in November. Which, that game back in November, he did play. Oh, it... You know what? I know why he did not play in the last game. Why? Because in the game before that, he got a red card. Oh, okay. Well, that so explains that's, it. That's why he was. That's why he was left. That off explains it. Okay. Yeah, yep. he got yep. a couple red cards a few games earlier. Yeah, yeah. I remember yep. that now. So, uh, he should be able to play in this tournament. He is dangerous. He is definition striker, fox in the box. He's mm. really, really good. He showed it for Manchester United, despite his age. Yeah. I think Uruguay yeah. might be favorites. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I think they're yeah. favorites to win. Despite, you know, the fanfare around Neymar and Brazil and everybody looks at Argentina and Messi. I think Uruguay is probably the team that has the best mix of experience, youth, coaching, and talent. Yeah. I think they... I think they're favorites, in my opinion. What do you think? You did a lot of this research. Uh, who's your pick yeah. to win it? I really like Brazil's roster. Um, just looking at their front three, I really love their front three and their defense. Like I said, they've been playing at big clubs and they know how to handle pressure. I'm going to take Brazil, although some of their players have been talking about boycotting the tournament, so that could have completely changed everything. Um, but Brazil, if not them, Uruguay. So that's yeah, that that's my pick. And and one reason I'm going with Brazil because they've got an easier group stage, which means that they don't have to expend as much energy earlier in the tournament. Because their teams, they've got Colombia, which that's difficult. But then Venezuela, Ecuador, Peru are the other teams in there. Yeah, that's not that's, quite as difficult. That's weak. Whereas, you know, 
in the other group it's argentina chile uruguay like those three very good teams then you got paraguay which you know paraguay is not bad either they give teams a run for their money and then you know finishing off with bolivia so so the thing about that is it's going to be an easier group stage or it's going to be a harder knockout stage knockout that's true that's true because yeah. it's going to reverse the it'll sort of flop the sides as to who's playing mm-hmm. who yeah so we'll see uh i believe yeah. we have one last order of business in soccer um the Concacaf. this is basically the north american soccer nations league final is going to be usa versus mexico um in this in the semifinals team usa beat honduras one to zero one nil and mexico beat costa rica on penalty kicks five to four after a scoreless uh game so uh u.s mexico north american classic for soccer um Mm -hmm. or football depending on what side of the border you're on uh what day is that actually yeah i think it might be today is it let me check top soccer uh Concacaf nations league it tonight 9 p.m 9 p.m yeah okay man yeah yeah oh yeah but it's not even on tv is it are you serious i don't think it's on at least it's not on espn it's it's not on espn it could be on fox sports or whatever the rename bali sports or something i don't know Mm. it's probably somewhere online definitely gonna have to give it a watch to see who's gonna be playing Mm -hmm. um us needs to win something here they need to yeah show that they're on the right track so uh yeah i'll definitely be watching that tonight but uh you want let's go ahead and move on to the really spicy stuff as i talk right now the clippers are up 106 to 91 in the fourth less than eight minutes on the mavericks wow yeah it's it's winner go home yeah winner go home um the Clippers have a, at one point had a 99.9% chance of winning when they were oh, up wow. by 21 uh, in the fourth. Are you serious? Yeah, <laughs> but hopefully the Mavericks can make a run and bring it back. You know, I had the Mavericks winning in six. You had the Clippers winning in I, seven. In seven? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're getting it basically <laughs> perfectly right. But the team who didn't get it perfectly right, the Celtics. Oh, boy. oh man, the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did not beat the Nets. They lost badly. Yeah. And, um, so of course they had injuries and stuff. It wasn't, it wasn't the easiest win for the Nets, but it also wasn't the best for the Celtics. Well, remember how I said they're going to shake up the roster, uh, after this first round and their first round exit? Yeah. Well, I didn't expect them to shake up their front office. At least not to this degree. With uh, with Danny Ainge retiring, Brad Stevens moving up into uh, the front office. So now there's a head coaching gap in the uh, in the Celtics locker room, really. Yeah. And this came out the same day as Coach K retiring next season. So... So what a what a day of um, 
of sporting news. Danny Ainge and Coach K retire on the same day. Yes. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I did say that if I were the Celtics, I would put everybody on the trading block apart from Tatum and Brown. And uh, I, I still believe that. I still think maybe even Smart, but you might have to give up Smart because uh, he's very – I think he has some good value to him. Um, and put some different kinds of pieces around Tatum and Brown. Try to change things up. But another two yeah. coaches are out of a job now. Terry Stotts has uh, left the Blazers on mutual consent. Mm-hmm. And Steve Clifford, same thing. Now, I have a little bit more sympathy for Steve Clifford because really their season was doomed by snares out of his yeah. hands. Uh, Markel Fultz yeah. getting injured. They were they doing really thing, well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the injury basically derailed their season. And Magic like, you know what? Let's cash in on what we have now and rebuild. So Cliff, Steve Clifford, uh, former Hornets coach, uh, basically had to manage a tanking game. So he's yeah. done. The uh, Magic are going to tank. I don't know who they'll bring in or if they're going to promote somebody to be a new coach. Uh, that's been happening a lot recently. But Terry Stotts and the Blazers. If you remember when we were doing our predictions, I told you that the one thing holding back the the Blazers would be their coaching. That they, that they peaked. And I, I was right. And, I mean, it's not the first time I've seen it. This happened last year, too. Um, And the year before and the year before. They peaked already. Uh, They had to change things up, either their coach or new roster stuff. (laughs) And this was a Nuggets team that was not 100% either. Right. So, I don't know. I don't know what the Blazers are going to do. Are they going to blow it up and start over now? Or are they going to try to give it another run and yet again another strong West? Yeah, because... You can uh, get value for what you have right now. You might as well get value for what you have right now because they're not getting any younger and you're starting with a new coach. Just Mm -hmm. press this reset button, get all the picks you can and all the assets you can right now to rebuild. Because you are resetting right here. Nobody is going to look on Damian Lillard any worse for leaving, being traded, or something. Or CJ McCollum. Like, this is the time to do something. To sort of change it. You're not competing while LeBron is still in the West. And we'll get to the Lakers' collapse in a second. But, yeah. This is the time to reset if you're the Blazers. And I can understand. I mean, gosh, it's tough because they didn't make the conference finals just a couple years ago. Right? I mean, you know. There's always a team better. The Blazers performed too good and too well to be able to get a good pick to reinforce themselves. But they also don't perform 
they also perform well they're also not a very good destination for free agents they also have their cap space you know taken up by damian lillard cj mccollum etc you know uh so they don't have that many options right now it's just best they blow it up the lakers want to do something you can get stuff out of the lakers if they want mccollum or they want damian lillard you know while i hate the super teams thing Mm -hmm. take what you can from the lakers you know what what could they get though uh, if they have any picks left get picks but picks are just they're not really Taylor Horton Tucker. No. I mean you gotta who else out there needs a point guard? But at some point you gotta say, okay, well no, that's just not worth it. You know, that's not worth what we're giving up. I mean you know? but would you rather get something now or get nothing? Because right now they're getting nothing. If they keep Damian Lillard on his contract and don't do anything with them, they'll get nothing. They're not going to win right. anything. They're they're not going to flip him for picks or another player. It's for nothing. And they're not going to accomplish anything. You might as well turn him, because he has so much value, into picks to help your team in the future. Because you're not getting past anybody in the West right now, and there's nothing yeah, you can you do this. You're, there's nothing you can do to this team. To, I mean, there's nothing you can do to this team to get to the, to the Western Finals. I'm not sure about that. I, I, I would disagree with that. So, okay, first off, I understand wanting to do it now because you've basically just said okay well we don't think this coach is the right coach and then you look at how old your players are damian lillard's 30 mccollum's 29 um i mean nurkish is 26 he's got time so like i understand wanting to say okay well let's just trade everyone away and get the best picks possible but i mean this season i'm first off nurkish was injured a lot this year. You want to know who else is injured? People. Zach Collins. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I, I swear he's been injured since like the NC, like since the Gonzaga game against the NC. <laughs> I, I swear he he has not been healthy yeah. ever. Yeah. At yeah. that point, you don't have somebody on your roster. If this guy's gonna be out more than he's in, you don't put him on a roster. You tell right, him go right. spend a year. More than a year rehabbing, healing. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't spend yeah. a year and then go straight back into it. You have to spend over a year to fully heal. Yeah, yeah. And that's how all these players who have injuries keep getting injured. Yeah, it's just what happens. There's nothing you can do about no, it. I agree, but the thing is though, you know, so the the Blazers, twenty nineteen. They make the conference finals, right? They have that great run in the playoffs, make the conference finals. They lose to the Warriors, Warriors, right? Yeah. Right. The Warriors are not the same anymore. I think the Warriors are still good, but they're not the same anymore. The 
ever since then, Nurkic has been injured. Okay, and I think that's important to notice for or to understand when you're considering what the last two seasons have been for the Blazers. Because he he can he is a great player and he can do a lot. He only played eight games last year. Blazers finished eighth in the West. He played nowhere close to a full year this year. Blazers finished sixth. You know, so I just wonder, okay, what would happen in the regular season if Blazers could be healthy, if Nurkic could be healthy with McCollum and Damian Lillard? That's a team who could then rise up, be top four, have that home court advantage. Um, which would help them a lot in the playoffs because you know last you know last year they were eighth and they had to play LeBron and the Lakers, right? They they had no chance. You know when you're the eighth seed in that kind of situation, you, you have no chance. This year, six seed, um, six seeds. You know they have a little more of a chance than an eight seed, but still, I mean, having to play the Nuggets, Nuggets are a great team, and I I really thought the Blazers would win. Um, it's not like the series went that poorly for them. It was tied 2-2. They go game five in Denver. And the game goes to double overtime. Right? So, obviously, if it's going to double overtime, that means it can go either way. Right? So, it, a few sh- different shots, you know, a few shots go differently earlier in the game. Blazers walk out of there with a win. And then, it then instead, it's 3-2 going back to their place. They have the lead. But again, back to what I was saying about Nurkic being injured. If he were healthy, which maybe the organization will make the decision that no, he just can't get healthy at this point. But if he were healthy, and instead of the Blazers being the sixth seed, they would have been able to go up to, like let's say, the three seed with a fully healthy team. Then instead, that double overtime game is now being played in Portland, which makes a difference. So like... I'm not ready to say that they have no potential because they have a lot of talent on the team. Now, it depends on who they can get as their coach. If they can't get a good coach, then yeah, maybe go ahead and blow it up Um, because you can't just throw some random guy in there. Terry Stotts is a pretty good coach, um, but if they can get a good coach, then I say keep on at it. But if they cannot find a good one, then I understand blowing it up. He's not better than Malone or Steve Kerr. Right, right. No, no, no way Terry Stotts is better than them. Um, and I'm not sure who out there they could go for. I mean, are there any big names? Atkinson? Is he still out there? I don't know. Who would you say? Atkinson. Uh, I'm not sure. He was on the Nets, and I don't know, I, I don't know if he's still out there. Yeah. Um, Steve Clifford's out there now. I don't know if he's an upgrade on Terry Stotts, but he's out there. He's out there. Um, so, uh, you, you know me. I'm Mr. Blow It Up. I like, right. if right. I see, like, I don't see them being in contention these next few years. Oh, you just look at these teams in the West, I mean, uh-huh. even the teams who were left out of the playoffs... I don't see them being too much better than the Warriors next year. I don't see them being too much better than the the Pelicans, assuming they get their shit straight. And like, mm-hmm. 
But that's without seeing the Grizzlies improving. The Jazz aren't going anywhere. The Nuggets aren't going anywhere. Suns right. aren't going anywhere. Mavericks aren't going anywhere. Clippers and mm-hmm. Lakers will tail off because they're getting older. Like, mm-hmm. there, there is... I don't see a reason not to sort of just back out of this current window. Like, your window for winning something has passed. Yeah. It's time to step back... Use what you have now, which is still very valuable. Get assets for it and rebuild for your next window. So when the Jazz start going down, the Nuggets start going down, Suns start going down, you can come back up and be there ready. That makes sense. Um, Also, breaking news, uh, Jason Kidd has said he is not... He's he's withdrawn his name from um, consideration as the Blazers head coach. Ooh. Wasn't he, he like verbally recommended by uh Damian Lillard or something? Yeah, and that's the reason why. Damian Lillard went out there and said, "Jason Kidd is the guy I want." And uh apparently that made Kidd uncomfortable. So, he says that's the reason he backed out. Hmm. Um I don't know why that would be a reason to back out, but okay. In uh in an update on the Mavericks Clippers, it is a 10-point game, 207 left. 104 okay. to 114 Clippers. Uh okay. Mavericks showing some life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's 107-114. Okay. It, it, it's getting spicy oh, with 248 sure not 207. Spicy. So uh I don't know, ESPN's uh, lights are uh, lights. ESPN's uh numbers are a little bit weird. Uh right, on the website. Right. But Let's move on from the Blazers train wreck to the Lakers train wreck. And, uh... Yeah. Oh, <laughs> where, where, where do the Lakers go from here? I don't know. I was just... I mean, you've got to acknowledge that part of it is AD getting injured. I, um, I'm going to go ahead and put a hot take in here. Okay. Are you going to say blow it up? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm gonna say Anthony Davis is peaked. Peaked. I think he's peaked. Man. I. If you are in your prime of your career, and you're getting injured this many times, this many times, in one season, you don't have a very long career ahead of you. I'm sorry, you just don't. Especially when you're seven foot plus. That's true. That's true. You just don't. The, I mean, the thing is, though, that they had a, an incredibly short off season. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think that plays a role into it. Well, because the you have a short off season. Yeah. Nobody's telling you you have to. You have to play all the games, or mm-hmm. you have to start the season playing all your games. This be like, you know, with the short offseason, we're going to rest our older players. We're going to make sure they have the full recovery time. Sure, we're going to struggle in our seating, but it's better that they be fully healthy. They have the proper conditioning and everything so they're ready to go when it's playoff time. Because we'll make that push into the playoffs. We'll make them have a 50-game season instead of a 70-game season. And that can be the difference between injuries and no injuries. And, okay, the NBA will find them. Take the fines. You're a multi-million. You're a billion-dollar, uh, uh, what's it called, team. 
take yeah. the fines. Yeah. Like, announce it publicly so you don't mislead people into thinking they're going to go see the Lakers and they don't uh, see LeBron and AD and they're not there. Announce it publicly and just rest them so they're ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Frank Vogel's never really the head coach of that team. <laughs> He's just not. So... Really, like, what do the Lakers do? They've got free agents now. Caruso's a free agent, right? I think he is. I think so. Uh, among others. They're going to have to do something drastic. They have got to get some help for LeBron and uh, AD. So, they and players with, Blair, players with a brain. That's why, like, you know, as much as it pains me to see the lakers good and to like feed the ego and the in the uh whatever it's called the selfishness of the lakers and lakers fans the solution is to try to get damian lillard or or, uh, kyle lowry one of them yeah even kyle lowry is a little bit of a stretch because he's he's old he's older now yeah, he he, he's not going to be able to play the same number of games. I mean, we see it work with Chris Paul. Yeah, she's thirty-five. I didn't realize Kyle. Kyle yeah, Lowry Kyle Lowry is old, but Chris Paul has like one of the biggest basketball IQs ever, ever. Yeah, yeah, like maybe bigger than LeBron's. So, it works for the Suns. The Lakers yeah. need some help. They need an actual center. Unless they decide to put uh, I don't think that's AD it. a center. Either that or a small stretch five or something. But they need a guard. They need help. That's, that's what I think is that the, the guard... Uh, there are just lots of players who did not seem to show up for the Lakers in the playoffs. You know, guys who should be should be playing better. Um KCP. Yes. You know, what was up with him? He did not you show know? up. He, he played terrible. Um Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder is a guy who has amazing potential. Amazing potential. You know, and then he's over here shooting that series he shot 40 percent from the field 31 percent from three like he's better than that like come on it, it, um, those aren't bad numbers but they're not they, they playoff bad, numbers they aren't one they aren't playoff numbers two this is a year where offenses have been exploding so you know you should expect a little bit higher numbers especially out of a guy like Schroeder. i mean it's not um, necessarily the offenses are exploding it's that defenses don't want to use the energy on defense because you'll probably get hurt or well, because refereeing is really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, two other players, Kyle Kuzma, he didn't really do anything in the playoffs, especially after Anthony Davis went down. I mean, this is a guy who's supposed to be pretty good. He averaged six points per game for the series, shooting 29% from the field, 17% from three. He can't have that. Montrezl Harrell, that's another thing. What the heck happened to him? 
he was the sixth man of the year last year. Yeah, he and fell now he off. just doesn't play. He fell off. Is, is that a coaching thing, or is that a he's not playing well? Or I don't know. I I really don't know. There are so many question marks to the Lakers. Yeah, that they have to answer. So uh, how long how long is LeBron's contract with the Lakers? How much more does he have? It is. Um, he extended it, didn't he? Did he? I don't remember. Uh, let me check. I will make sure. Um, through the 2022-2023 season. So, 2022-2023. Uh, so, that's two more years. Yeah, two more years. Two more years. Uh, and then he'll go wherever Bronny goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I think, at least. Well, uh, honestly, LeBron has to really be thinking about these next couple of years because these, this is, he's not getting younger. He wants the best chance to win. So he has to really bend some arms and stuff to make the Lakers pull out every stop to try to get guys to join him to help him mm-hmm. and he has to also pressure them to be like hey you can't push me to play i have to be fully right. healthy ad has got to be fully healthy if we're going to challenge yeah so uh we'll see uh other losers yeah, of the first round the yeah 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 the suns lakers was everything that was promised it was so good suns lakers right as right. a series. It just hurt that the Lakers just lost more and more to injuries. But uh yeah. the other losers of the first round, the Knicks. Julius Randle just didn't perform. Really. Among others. Yeah. Got burned out. Well, Trey Young went off too. Yeah, Trey Young with the bow and MSG. Yeah. You know. <laughs> that was great. What a moment. Heat lost yeah. in four. Were they exposed or just not ready? I think they also have to strengthen. They, I think they realize that uh, Tyler Hero is not really bubble Tyler Hero. Maybe the mm. maybe the bubble made Tyler Hero think he was back in Kentucky in college or something. So <laughs> he shot really well and now it's he's off the leash. He has a lot more freedom. He's not focused. Maybe that's why. We already talked about the Celtics, the Wizards. I don't know where the Wizards go. If they're going to strengthen mm. or they're going to try to flip Westbrook or something. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, Grizzlies? Yeah. Grizzlies are Grizzlies. just... They, this was a free pass for them. This was a free pass yeah. year for them. Yeah. They fought hard, yeah. but you know they just can't keep up. Once Donovan Mitchell was back, uh, in the starting lineup, there was nothing the Jazz could do. Yeah. And as it stands right now, with 41 seconds left, Mavericks are down 13. Looks more than likely, very, very likely, the Clippers aren't going to win the series. Mm-hmm. So that will go ahead and put us into the second round. Sixers and the Hawks, Nets, Bucks, Jazz versus Clippers, 
Suns and Nuggets. Mm-hmm. So, uh, where do you want to start with that? Ooh. Good one. You want to start in the East? Let's start with the East. Well, yeah. Sixers and Hawks Sixers. just played today. Yeah. Atlanta won 128 to 124. That final score is a little bit dignifying to Philly, who was down almost 20, if not 20. More at than half, 20, at, at halftime. Yeah. They did yeah. not show up. Yeah. Embiid it... didn't really show his strength. Like, Embiid, Embiid's a matchup nightmare. He had 39 points. It's really the rest of the team that didn't show up. Now, Embiid was questionable at first uh, a few days ago whether he'd play in today's game, but he did make it. A meniscus tear, yeah. I mean, the fact that he's playing is amazing. Yes, uh, one of three uh, three three-pointers, 12 of 21 field goals. So, you know, a little over 50% shooting uh, from the field and uh, 33% from three. Not too bad for a stretch five, who's also just killing it in the paint. Um, nine rebounds, four assists. Danny Green was two of seven. Oh, of four from three. Danny, you got to do better. The bench didn't really help either. Dwight Howard, zero points, though he only played eight minutes. Matisse Thibel, 19 minutes, 10 points. The bench really didn't perform in this game. That's what it was. And the... Um, I think it was all the bench's fault. Well, first off, look at the plus-minus numbers. Yeah, right. It's plus positive for the starters, different. negative all, for the bench. All positive for the yeah. You know, Joel Embiid was a plus thirteen, which means that while he was in the game, the Sixers increased. You know, by thirteen points compared to the however however much the Hawks increased. Steph Curry was plus sixteen. Tobias Harris plus nine, and the Hawks. Even though Trey Young had a great game, he was negative 11. That's terrible. Collins for the Hawks was negative 12. Hill was negative 10. But the reason why the Hawks had a lead was because guys like Bellinari, plus 11. Lou Williams, plus 16. Plus 16. In 11 minutes. Gosh, I mean, and then on the other hand, George Hill for the Sixers was negative 17. Dwight Howard's negative 15. Korkmaz is negative 12. Thibault is negative 12. Maxi is negative 9. So it, it was the, the bench. The bench just played awful. They let the Hawks build a big lead. And then the starters had to deal with it. And the starters made it close. You know, the starters fought back. They, you know, the final score was only, you know, four point loss, but there's not much you can do when your bench, you know, messes things up that much for you. Um, at one point, the Hawks were on a 17 to nothing run in the second quarter. I think a lot of that was with that uh, Sixers bench playing against the Hawks bench. So the Sixers bench has got just got to step up. I mean, the damage is really done in the first quarter. Atlanta had yes, 42 sure. points in the first. 42 points. That's 42. Terrible. If you were allowing 42 points in a playoff game in one quarter, you've got to step it up. That is not acceptable, especially when you're the when you're the Sixers. Okay, not acceptable. Good defense. I mean, they should be a good defense with 
Danny Green and Ben Simmons. Um, I mean, the, I think probably what's going to come in the second game for adjustments is going to be uh, rotations. There's going to be a rotation adjustment by uh, the Sixers to try to alleviate it because that that Hawks bench is not bad by any means. Right, right. And um, yeah, and Sixers bench isn't as bad isn't bad but it's also not the best so yeah dwight yeah. howard should, dwight howard with zero points that That's is not, not acceptable dwight howard you are you are a big guy you should be able to force yeah. some twos down the bucket okay yeah definitely and four rebounds i mean four minutes come on yeah four rebounds <sighs> So, uh, Sixers disappoint. Oh. Well, Sixers, definitely. This is going to seven. This is going to be a chess match. Sixers and seven for me. I'll go ahead and write that down. What about you? I was going to say Sixers and and six games. That's what I was going to say before game one started, so I'm going to stick with it now. Okay. I think that... Since Embiid's playing, he played 38 minutes and, you know, dropped 39 and 9. So, like, he was looking like, you know... There is nobody who can match up to him other than Jokic, maybe. Not... Here's another thing. He draws fouls well as a big man. And unlike most big men throughout the history of the NBA, he can shoot his free throws. Mm -hmm. 14 to 15 from the line this past game. Yeah. Like, that's like a an average night for him. So that's what's so big, because you can't just foul him like you could with Shaq and other guys. Um, I mean, he doesn't have the post skills of, you know, Shaq and, you know, other players like that, or Carl Malone, but, like... It was a different time. pretty good down there. Yeah, it's, it's a different time, but he's still good down there. Very good yeah. down there. I mean, he's got the free throws. So, um... I'm, I'm picking Sixers. I think they're going to figure out this bench stuff, and I don't think that's going to happen again, but, you know. Yeah. They're also so going to need to manage Embiid yeah. to make sure he's not, he's he doesn't stress that injury. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Um, Bucks nuts. I mean, in fairness, Philly let in uh, or Atlanta let in forty one points in the fourth. Yeah, that's a lot. So if you take the first and the fourth out, those teams are fairly even. Very, very. So it's really. And I mean, the first and the fourth almost counteract each other, almost. Right. So, right. uh, it's a closer series than it looked at one point. But yeah, let's move on to the Nets, who absolutely clobbered the Bucks. Just knocked them out. The Bucks lived by the jump shot, and they tonight or last night they died by the jump shot. Uh-huh. Uh. And I mean, ooh. Harden went out after 43 seconds, hamstring. Apparently, it's just strained. So he's going to be sitting out uh, game two uh, with hamstring tightness. And uh, honestly, The Bucks showed some determination first uh, yeah. first series. I don't know how far they'll get here. 
I don't know if they can come back and win the second game because this was at the Nets. I don't want to say Nets sweep. <laughs> it's, so you're trading Nuggets in four for Nets in four? Uh, this is a trap. Oh, man. This is such a trap. Yeah. Nets in five. Nets in five. For me. What about you? I'm doing um, Bucks and Seth. Bucks in either six or seven. Really? Yeah. Yeah. The reason why i mean well i don't know so I, I feel bad about letting game one influence me since you know that that's one of the seven games of the series um i already got to see it before i officially make my prediction so before the series started i would have said six or seven and i'm gonna stick with it the the thing is at some point you know gotta recognize nets have zero defense Right, they've got no defense, and that's got to catch up with them at some point. And but I just can really... they out? But can the Bucks outscore the Nets? That is the question. It's it's more of can they slow down the Nets enough? Which I know that's kind of the same thing. But can they just slow them down just enough to beat them? And I think they can. Um, and I don't know. They're just. Also, getting Drew Holiday, I really thought was a big move for them this offseason for the Bucks, And I think now is the time where we're really going to see how important it was to get Drew Holiday. Um, I, I have some concerns about the Bucks bench. Bucks have also got to shoot well. I mean, Chris Middleton was 0 for 5 from 3. Drew Holiday was 2 for 7. Forbes was 1 for 5. They can't do that again. They cannot do that again. But I feel like they're going to iron that out a little bit, which would have made it closer. So that's my thing. Yeah, I mean, just no defense. But I will say that was – that should be an embarrassing loss for the Bucks, in my opinion. Oh, it's 100% embarrassing. 100%. Because Harden went down. Plus, Durant got lots of fouls. Like, he was yes. getting fouled fast. Uh, and then Griffin, he fouled out. Yeah. So, but he, it should have been the time they jumped on it. Um, It's just live by the jump shot, died by the jump shot, really. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, let's so, see if my yeah. overreactive pick uh, works out. <laughs> or if you're more sensible, six or seven yeah. for the Bucks. Works. I'll say officially. Um, I'll say officially, six. Okay. So that we can have it ironed down or something. Yeah. Um. Jazz. Uh, Jazz Clippers. Clippers Jazz officially Clippers won. One twenty six to one eleven, even with Luka Doncic's uh, forty six points. Mm-hmm. So uh, no repeat of last year. Yeah. Clippers move on. Uh. So. The Clippers will move on to face the Utah Jazz. Now, Jazz got a a little bit more rest than the Clippers. That's going to be helpful, but not too long a rest like the Bucks just got. So, this is an interesting series. You've got some 
good defenders on both teams. You've got some good scorers on both teams. This is this is another one of those chess matchups. So Sixers yeah. Hawks is a chess matchup. Jazz Clippers is a chess matchup. And by that, it's going to be a lot more dependent on strategy than scoring. Nets Bucks is going to be all about scoring. Suns Nuggets mm-hmm. I think is going to be more about scoring. Yeah. Um, so the question is. Are the Jazz able to defend better than the Clippers? Uh, the Clippers... It's so hard to actually go against Kawhi Leonard. But yeah, what makes it easier to go against Kawhi Leonard is the anchor he's having to carry with them called Paul George. Mm-hmm. Who will either show up and put a great performance in or just be terrible right he's either right. playoff p or pandemic p <laughs> and to be honest it's more of a 50 50 on that the jazz are a little bit more consistent i'm gonna go with the jazz in six yeah because for me I, I don't know it's like jazz at the better regular season like i said a couple episodes ago the Clippers' regular season was very disappointing, given how the Lakers and Warriors fell off. Um, and that's the thing. Which which Clippers are we going to see? Are we going to see the Clippers who choke, frankly? The Clippers who lost games one and two at home against the young Mavericks? Or are we going to see the Clippers who went to Dallas games three and four and one? Who... Game six in the elimination game, Kawhi puts up 45. Game seven, just tonight, or this afternoon, have a very balanced offense with Kawhi and uh, Paul George and Marcus Morris all scoring over 20, with Reggie Jackson making big plays, Terrence Mann making big plays. I mean, which team are we going to see? And that's that's what makes it hard for me. Um, so that's why I'm going to say the Jazz in six. Oh, we're agreeing. I, yeah, we're agreeing for once. We're agreeing for once. I I don't know. I think Rudy Gobert is going to have a big series. Um, I really like Mike Conley, and I feel like his experience is going to show up big this series. And then also, it just kind of feels time for Quinn Snyder in this iteration of the Jazz to make that deep playoff run, right? You know, like they've been good for a few years. I mean, even, you know, ever since that they got Donovan Mitchell, they, they've been good. Yes, but they have been. Last Their team has matured. Yeah. Their team has matured. Right. They've matured a lot. They've yeah. matured a lot. So that's what I'm going with. All right. We're in agreement. Gosh, that's that's surprising. Uh, we both agreed on Sixers to win in five, and they won in five, I believe. So, uh, yeah. If it goes the same so way. Jazz will yeah. win six. Uh, last one, last matchup, the last little piece of uh, the podcast today is Suns and Nuggets. This is, uh, you know, one side would have said it'd be more of a tactical match. I think it's more of a scoring slug match here. Mm-hmm. Um, so the. The key matchup you're looking at is Jokic and Aiton. 
mm-hmm. because on every other level, the the Suns have the matchup advantage against the Nuggets, except yeah. maybe Michael Porter Jr. Maybe it's hard to match up against him, but I think they the Suns can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the Nuggets just don't have an answer for Booker, Chris Paul, uh, uh just those two. You know, without yeah. Michael Mikel yeah. Bridges, Cam Johnson, uh, Jay Crowder, Aiton, Aiton's ability to slow down. Jokic is going to be crucial. Can he slow him down just a little bit? Reduce his points per game by five or something. Right, right. That's enough, I think, as long as the rest of the, rest of the team contributes. Slow yeah. him down by five, I think, can mm-hmm. really actually win this series. Now, can he? Maybe. Maybe. I think he can. He stepped up in this past year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sons in five. Sons in five? Yeah. Um. Gosh. I'm going to agree with you. Sons in five? No, no, I'm going to agree. Sorry, I'm going to agree with you that Sons win. But, gosh, I don't want to say in six because all of them have been six. Um, but that's what I'll say. I'll say, well, no, I'm gonna say Suns and seven because the Nuggets seem to like taking games to seven. Yeah. Um, I agree that they do. Yeah. The the I was really impressed with how they played recently. They well, first off, their last game, game six against the Lakers, Jake Crowder went off, six for nine from threes. Mm-hmm. Like man, that is that showing up. Yes. Um, Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson had against... yeah. Cam Johnson had some good showings against the Lakers. Yeah, he had ten points off the bench in that game six, and that's huge. That's huge. Um, he, I just think it's such a complete team. Um, Chris, because one thing is for young stars like Devin Booker, usually why I don't feel like they can go super far in the playoffs is because they not only have to score like they've had to do always but then for if it's a guard you're expected to run the offense to pick apart opposing defenses to know which play to call at the right time yeah, i know coaches do some of the play calling but also you know knowing how to set things up but devin booker doesn't have to worry about that he so just has to worry about all he has to worry about is making the suns have the worst day of their nba careers four times you know? yeah he just he just has to score that's all he has to do and that's a lot but he doesn't have to worry about this extra stuff because of chris paul it's like writing um, his name it's like devin booker scoring yeah. is just like writing his name right right it, it's uh, it's so natural to him he's so good and he really impressed me game six he really showed up i mean eight for ten from three scored 47 points against the lakers this is a good team and you know DeAndre Ayton, I think, will be able to slow down uh, Jokic just enough. Jay Crowder will help play some good defense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, but the reason, the thing is, though, I think it's going to seven because, I mean, the Jokic factor. Jokic is just so, so, good. so good. Yeah. 
and so they proved me wrong last series against the Blazers. I really thought the Blazers were going to win. I really thought the Jamal Murray absence would show up, but because they proved me wrong, I'm going to ex- expect them to go a little further. The reason than... I don't think Jamal Murray's absence... <sighs> See, you can't guard Damian Lillard anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you just can't. Right, right. So losing a guy who was supposed to guard Damian Lillard doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But in this scenario, the threat of the Suns isn't one person. Their whole team ticks. I mean, yes, Devin Booker Mm -hmm. is uh, exceptional. He's the best player on this team scoring-wise. While yeah. Chris Paul is the maestro who's pulling all the strings and making everything work. Well, he, and he can also score whenever he wants. Yeah. But that whole team ticks like a machine. It just works. Yeah. The Nuggets yeah. without Murray are really reliant on Jokic to create, Jokic to score, and to move the ball and to draw attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't need to to double team or triple team Jokic to stop him, yet you have more players guarding whoever Jokic is supposed to pass to, it makes it, yeah. Jokic's job a lot harder. Right, right. And in that sense, that's how you slow down the Nuggets. If you have to force Jokic to not have the ball or to have to try to score every time, he's mm-hmm. going to get tired. He's going to get fouls he's gonna get fouled on it's gonna it's really gonna slow the nuggets down enough that i think the suns will just overwhelm them yeah so to to recap what we said our predictions we're both picking the sixers to beat the hawks yep i think in seven mm-hmm. i think in six mm-hmm. we uh you think the nets are gonna beat the bucks in five i say the bucks beat the nets in six we actually agree for Jazz Clippers. We both think that the Jazz are going to win in six. And then um, we both think the Suns are going to win. You think five, I think seven. So should we should we kind of do a recap of how we did from last round's predictions? Uh, Yeah, sure. So are you we too embarrassed? I'm, I'm embarrassed about a couple of them. It's all um, right. It can't be worse yeah. than mine. We both agreed on Sixers winning against the Wizards in five. That happened. We both yeah. agreed the Nets would beat the Celtics. You said in five, I said in six. I think it was in five. It was so, in five. Yeah, we were both close, but you, or I was close, but you actually got it right. I had the Bucks. Uh, I had no. I had the Heat in seven. You had the Bucks in seven. It was Bucks in four. <laughs> I got it completely wrong. Uh, I had the Knicks in six. You had the Hawks in seven. You were so right. we both thought those two series were going to go on a lot longer than they actually did. Yeah. It was just Hawks and five, right? Was it five yeah, or six? Yeah, Hawks and five. Five. Uh, and five yeah. Jazz Gri- and Grizzlies, you said five, I said four. For the Jazz, you were right on five. Um, I said Suns and six. You had Lakers and seven. Uh, I was right with Suns you and were six. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I had Nuggets and four. Nuggets and four. Blazers and, and you had Blazers and seven. I was right with the Nuggets, but I was off badly. Uh, and then you had Clippers and seven. 
perfectly right. I had Mavericks in six. Nice. So, uh, which almost happened. Uh, so, and almost. let's go back to our conference winners. Uh, we both said the Sixers are winning the East. Are you sticking by that right now? Um, yes, but Embiid's injury could should possibly change things. Yeah. If it gets that's, worse. That's, yeah. that's true. Uh, it's gonna, Doc Rivers is going to have to manage that. Oh uh, in the West, I had the Suns, and you said the winner of the Suns and Lakers, but I pressed you for a decision and you said Lakers. So the Lakers are out. So you're going to the Suns? Yeah, I mean, I'm – yeah, yeah. Because I did say winner of Suns-Lakers, so that part's still true, but I picked the winner of Suns-Lakers wrong. So, yeah, I'm still saying Suns. Yes. Oh, you were saying Lakers because you had the Lakers winning the whole shebang, and they did yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> That's not happening anymore. I still have the uh, Sixers, so my prediction is still alive for the Sixers winning it all. Yeah. So, uh – that wraps things up for this extra long podcast, two hours yeah. and 20 minutes. So I uh, hope yeah. you all stick, uh, stuck around. Do be sure to uh, tune into the co- to college baseball because that's going on. looks like there's some exciting stuff happening. Uh, yeah. Do watch some Copa America and uh, Euros. Uh, mm-hmm. Those should be some exciting games, especially Group F with uh, Portugal, France, Germany, and Hungary in it. And... Uh, NHL playoffs look to be exciting. Come on, uh, Carolina Hurricanes, pull this pull this off, make the turnaround happen. Uh, and of course, NBA playoffs uh, heating up. Second round, this looks like fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, until next week, uh, that's all from me. You got anything else to add? No, no. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, see you guys next week.